Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everybody. This week is a special week for me because it includes the International Podcast Day. It was created by Steve and Dave Lee and last year, which turned out to be the last year when they had live and pre-recorded sessions from podcasters around the world, I was very fortunate to participate in it through a pre-recorded video. And it also allowed me to reflect back how far this podcast has come and how many wonderful guests from around the world I have had a chance to talk to. And talking about guests, I am delighted to introduce my guest today. It is Taymor Ashi. Taymor spent 22 years at Intel as a director and GM building some of the most innovative solutions for enterprise IT, including the first real-time video communication for PCs, the first web hosting services in industry, Intel online services, and active management technology for remote management of client and server platforms. After a successful career at Intel, he joined Arbitron, which was acquired by Nielsen as its CTO responsible for the company's second-generation TV and radio viewership and listenership device known as PPM360, which was successfully launched in 2010 and currently is in use for all major networks and stations. He then moved on to serve as Corporate VP of Software at AMD prior to starting up his own ventures in 2012. Job Pairing is his latest startup, a platform for professionals to find compatible job mates to share a job with. Taymor has a PhD in computer science from Oregon State University and MS in computer science from the University of Southern California. He holds five US patents, including one on real-time video communication. Welcome to the show, Taymor. Thank you so much, Karen. My pleasure. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Now, we have listeners from all over the world. So could you please share with them where are you calling in from and what is a typical local site or food <laughs> that you can share with our listeners? Absolutely. I'm calling from Columbus, Ohio. I've been here for about eight years in, uh, in Ohio. Uh, Some of the uh, key interesting points about Columbus is it has the eighth largest zoos in the world and the second largest zoo in the U.S. So zoo is a big deal, especially for children in the summertime. It's crowded all the time. 
There is also Ohio State University, which is the third largest university in U.S. It has 62,000 students. And football, I mean, the American football is the big deal for uh, Ohio. And, you know, every time there is a game, that's the only thing everyone talks about. And finally, in terms of, you know, taste of Columbus, there is, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities, but if you happen to be in Columbus, uh, there is a small German village in downtown area, and there is an Italian bakery inside it. It's called Pistachio Vera, and I think you should just try the sweet and a cup of coffee, regardless of the time of the day. You will enjoy it. Well, thank you so much, Tabor. That sounds really, really tasty and very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now, so could you share with our listeners, please, your professional background and what made you decide to create the company Job Pairing, please? Uh, sure, absolutely. My, my background is primarily technology development. I have a PhD in computer science. I worked in high-tech industry for about 30, 32 years, uh, 22 years at Intel, a few years at AMD. Um, and also I worked in media industry. Uh, I don't know if uh, your listeners are familiar with uh, Nielsen mm -hmm. for TV viewership or radio listenership. Uh, there was a technology that I worked on and I have done a few startups in the last few years, uh, the last one being the uh, job pairing. And the way it started was my daughter-in-law is, is a trained neurologist uh, from Mayo Clinic, which is one of the toppest uh, medical schools in, in the US. And she, when she expected her baby, her first baby, she started negotiating with the employer to see if she can reduce her work hours and be more focused on the baby as baby was nearing. And she couldn't actually find that opportunity. So she quit. She basically, after all the training, she said, I'm leaving and she left. And then she had the second baby. Uh, and it's been a few years now. But as I was talking to her, she mentioned that if I could find another neurologist, male or female, doesn't matter, young or old, doesn't matter. But if somebody was looking to work less hours and I could share a job with, I can probably go back and, and sell that pair of people to, to my employer or other employers. And that kind of triggered the, the idea. She encouraged me to think about it. She knew my background, obviously, and I can do a platform around it, and I did. And that became the beginning of uh, job pairing. This was like late 2017 when, when we started. Thank you so much for sharing the background to job pairing. And I can so personally appreciate it because I had, you know, a similar situation when I was living in the U.S., that basically finding a flexible professional position beyond an entry level was basically impossible to find. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm I'm so appreciative that this situation triggered you to create job pairing. That's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Right. 
And now, so in your recent blog article, you explained the different types of models of job sharing, and you mentioned a few special cases, and one is called two in a box, and the other one is time swapping. Could you please explain to our listeners in more detail what these two um, types of special cases of job sharing are? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And I'm assuming people generally know what job sharing is. Two people sharing the same job, each on a reduced working hours. That's the bottom line for uh, job sharing. And a form of job sharing or a uh, key uh, differentiation for at higher levels, if people to job sharing is called top sharing. And I know you had a podcast around top sharing. Think about the senior director level, C-level people sharing a job, general manager sharing a job. Now, two in a box is a flavor of that, except that in most cases, the two are not part-time. They are actually full-time. Mm -hmm. and, and I was lucky enough, I should say, to uh, be in this situation two times when I was working at Intel. And there are companies like Intel has been using it for maybe 30 plus years, 35 years. And Dell and Goldman Sachs and Cisco, I mean, they all have deployed two in a box model for, for years. Mm -hmm. And the primary reason behind it is sometimes the business that they wanna run may be too complicated for one person, too much or too many risks uh, around it. Sometimes they wanna train the next, uh, or groom the future leaders. So they, they get two people with complementary skills and they ask them to run a business or an organization, or sometimes the organization is too complicated, too large, and a, a diversity of skills that are, uh, are in the organization to be managed. So they bring two people full-time and say, you run the organization. But in a sense, you have the same titles. I mean, you call they call them co-GMs, co-directors, and you have the same accountability and you share the job and you need to define who does what because when it comes to the organization, uh, the very first question is when they see two people in the staff meetings or in an organization meeting, who's the boss? Who, whose lead should we follow? Who's the decision maker? These are all challenges for, for the organization. And for the co-leaders, it's also challenging is who sets the direction for the organization? Who's accountable? What if we have a conflict? How do we resolve a conflict? And uh, again, I spend uh, in two separate opportunities and the very first lesson that really I learned in the very first day or two was how quickly you shift from the I-centric world to the we-centric world. I should immediately disappear. In fact, in any job sharing, there is no I. Uh, it's always we. And, and in fact, in my next blog, I'm referring to this concept as uh, the two musketeers with the same mentality. It's like either you do or die together. There is no, I'm better than you, or this is my job. And you know, there is no my organization, my budget, my decision. 
everything shifts to our organization, our plan, our budget. And I went through it with two colleagues uh, for a few years. One instance was that the, uh, the person that I was co-GM with was actually a friend of mine at Intel. We, we had worked together for years before. We knew each other. I knew his style and vice versa. So when we came together, it became really easy to get things going because we knew exactly how to work together and we provided a unified uh, view of us to the organization. They didn't see two people. They saw one uh, unit of management in front of them, that kind of mentality. Uh, this And that went really smoothly. We, in no time, we got everything going. We planned uh, how we want to proceed, what the strategy is, what we want to implement, etc. The second one was actually somebody I didn't know, and he didn't know me either. So uh, at early on, the first few weeks, it was a little bit rocky because we didn't know how to work with each other. Is it my job to say this? Is it your job to say that? And and very quickly, because we were both uh, at senior levels and we had experienced similar situations, we decided to leave work and we spent a lot of evenings uh, having a glass of wine or two and just discussing ourselves. You know, this is what drives me. This is what pisses me off. This is how I like to work. This is about my family, my children. And we kind of took a few weeks and we got closer and closer and he became one of my best friends. And we are still friends, even though he's in California, I'm not but we are still in touch. And that was the biggest learning for me that if you don't know somebody you spend, and very true about job sharing, by the way, you spend a lot of time as early as you can to get to know each other as people and individuals before you start getting into professional discussion. You need to trust each other. Uh, and the trust is really the foundation of any a successful job sharing arrangement without it is gonna be really difficult. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned, the, the time swapping, it's a concept that Cisco has deployed, I believe still have it. And it's more like, uh, especially to deal with the millennial mentality, they don't like to work on one thing. They're not like the baby boomers, which I am. Uh, they wanna work on multiple things to keep the talent in the company, they offer them 20% of their time they can swap with somebody else. So if you're interested to learn a new skill, hopefully a related skill to what you're doing, not totally different, but they are open to it. You find somebody who can share 20% of their jobs with you. So you, you spend 20% of your time doing their job they spend 20% of their time one day a week per se. And you learn from each other, you learn how to do the other job, which makes life kind of exciting in, in the corporation. So that's kind of the concept that they, uh, they use. That sounds really interesting. And I imagine it also reduces silos because you have much more interactions across the organization by doing that. Right, 
Right, exactly. So now, you know, um, in my research about you, I came across these quotes which I really liked. And one of them is, two brains on the job leads to more efficient problem solving and faster time to money. And then the other one, complementary skills that are rarely found in one individual, referring to job sharing. So you've already mentioned some examples. Maybe could you specifically to these quotes um, give our listeners some more examples or experiences you have encountered that made you, you know, write these quotes? Right, no, no problem. It's so when in, in the context of job pairing, the platform that we built, we look at when when two people are matched, they each have a profile. As soon as they match and they pair up, we automatically create a joint profile for them out of their individual profiles. Part of it is their common skills and experiences. So they have done the same sort of job. One of them has done it for 10 years. The other has done it five years. We look at it and say, okay, here's a 15 years experience in, with these skills that an employer may need. We also look at their complementary skills, things that one has and the other one doesn't have, or one is a stronger in it, the other one is not as strong. And we identify their complementary skills so combined experiences becomes very powerful in, in that context. So when the, com, uh, when the common skills are applied to a, any problem, because there are two brains, you can brainstorm more, you can challenge each other, you can come up with more ideas how to solve a problem. And, and that helps uh, getting to money or time to money become shorter because you can solve problems faster, you can come up with better solutions, given that there are two brains with the same experiences on the job. Complementary skills really is more like, uh, somebody, may be, uh, somebody may be stronger in people skills and social skills, another one is better in planning skills. They each have some of it, but one is stronger and the other is stronger in something else. You utilize it that way. You, you ask that, you know, they, they, one of them may be more customer facing, the other may be less customer facing, but more internal facing, getting things done because they have more planning skills. One may be good in presentation skills, another is social skills, uh, sorry, writing skills. Uh, or one is more strategic, the other is more tactical, and you split the job that way between the two of them, they become more pilot, co-pilot, uh, dep depending on the con context of what they are doing. And maybe the best example truly is, if you look at a combination of Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, most people don't know Steve Wozniak, but he actually made Apple, Apple. One was such a visionary that you may find a person like Steve Jobs every century. There is somebody like that with this kind of impact. But the other one was actually doing it. That combination of the two uh, was really what I mean here, the complementary skills. And Wozniak is really kind of a shy kind of person, likes to work in the background, but the contribution is unquestionable. 
that's really, really interesting. And I know, you know, you and I, we are clearly big fans of job sharing. And what I'm curious about is when I look at North America versus Europe, I feel despite the fact that it really started job sharing in North America, it is still highly underused. And, um, you know, from your experience, why do you think this is the case? Right. And it's a great question. I think you mentioned in Europe, in average, 25% of businesses offer job sharing as a benefit. And in UK specifically, it's about 48%. Almost half of businesses, are, it's normalized in Europe. And I think the, the reason behind it is that culturally, Europe is different. The work-life balance uh, is built into the way of life and the way people live in, in Europe. It's more like, you know, they, they work to live and in the US we live to work kind of differentiation. And the, the thing behind it is, I'm sure you have heard uh, of American dream and working hard, those two things are built into the culture. Everyone is so success oriented in terms of financial rewards and making things happen. Everyone has a dream and everyone tries to work as hard as they can to achieve that, that dream. So culturally, uh, the environment is very different than, than Europe and businesses are uh, obviously from the people that live in the US and they have that mentality. That, that's the uh, first part of it. The second part is that the business culture in US is still influenced and dominated by the baby boomer mentality, baby boomer generation. Uh, because if you go back 70 years ago, 80 years ago, the mentality was you wake up in the morning, you drive to work, you work nine to five, go home, say, honey, I'm home, have dinner, read newspaper, go back to work the next day. But that thing is gone. I mean, it's been gone for, for years, but the foundation in the business culture is still that. And that requires a lot of change from within, which I believe the millennials will be eventually making that change happen, as well as obviously women. And that's why our whole strategy revolves around uh, focusing on millennials and working women to, to see that happens in the US. Yeah, I, I think you are absolutely right. And I feel also, you know, when I look at the Gen Z generation, I, you know, had as my previous podcast guest, the co-founders of um, Project Matriarchs, and they right. are basically trying to have the pledge to care um, spread out across a lot of the students so that they will only or pledge to commit to work only at organizations that are doing, you know, care giving, um, you know, support so that people can indeed return back to paid work because there is more flexible work, because there is more um, support right. by extended parental leave and things like this. And you're absolutely right. And millennials, yes, you know, I, I mean, 
I see a lot of optimism. One of the things that I hear a lot in the U.S. about sort of the negative aspect about job sharing is how does one deal with health insurance? Because often organizations say the health insurance is only for people who work full time. So given that job sharing by definition, well, typically um, is fewer hours than full-time work. How does one deal with it? What have you come across there? Yeah, I think uh, it's a great question and we actually spent some time uh, looking at it. Uh, We have three HR experts in our board of directors, including one who was the chair of SHRM executive board, which is the largest HR organization in US. There isn't really a magic pill or a magic solution to that. Every company, first of all, no company is gonna customize their benefits by pair of people, it's impossible. Second, they have policies in place. Some companies have policies around compensation and uh, health insurance and dental insurance, generally health insurance, Uh, for part-time people as well as full-time people. And some don't have anything for part-time people. There is no way to change it. If they do offer it, then easy. They prorate it. Uh, If you work 20 hours a week or more, you receive health insurance from the company that has a policy in place. Otherwise, you don't. People who want a job share also have an understanding that things are not going to be the same. Their compensation will be cut. Their health insurance may be in place, not be in place, but they're being driven for other reasons than compensation. They want to maintain their careers at a lower number of hours per week. They, They understand that. So the the conclusion we reached was they may be able to negotiate with their employer to increase their compensation slightly. I mean, I mean, like $200 a month is not much for employers, so they can buy individual home uh, health insurance on their own and be able to cover themselves and, and their family or if the employer is offering to part-time people, if they are 50-50, the the two job mates or job sharers, then it should be okay. But there's really no magic solution that we found uh, looking at many options other than what I mentioned. Thank you so much for sharing because that, you know, I've heard this question many times. And so it's interesting to hear all the different potential solutions to that problem. And now you mentioned that um, one of the reasons job sharers would be doing a job sharing position or you know um, applying for one is because of they are looking at the fewer number of hours. Which brings me to my next question, because I feel often there is still that perception that somebody who is in a, a part-time position, and so in that respect with job sharing, that they are not maybe as motivated, not as committed, and that they might not be able to deal with complex work situations. And obviously, we just talked about the fact that there is top sharing as well as job sharing. And so really, it is applicable to every level. 
And so that's the other question I have. How can we change that perception that job sharing is really for everybody and isn't only, quote unquote, for moms with young children? Right. And it's, uh, again, it's another great question. And it's, it's interesting if you look at the European and Australian, Australia is also very open to job sharing mm -hmm. and they have many companies offering uh, a solution. Even when, if you take the pandemic out of the picture, if you roll back time, let's say two years, three years, everything, let's say it's okay, the people are working, everyone is happy and even in, in those situations, when it's offered only 3% in average, 3% of employees of the workforce in general uh, take advantage of uh, job sharing. So it's not like it's for everyone and it's not like it's going to be disruptive to the employers and all of a sudden, you know, 60% of uh, employees want to job share and then the company doesn't know how to plan, what to commit to, et cetera. It's only 3%. Pandemic has maybe increased that a little bit because uh, you know, people will challenge, especially working moms were challenged in the last two years as over 3 million, it just in US, over 3 million uh, women have left the workforce between February 2020 and February 2021, which is a huge number. Yeah. It takes years to attract more women into the workforce. And it was almost half and half, even though they were getting paid less, even though they were not being promoted as fast as men get promoted. But the pandemic basically threw a hand grenade in the middle of all the progress and 3 million is, is a large number. But when you think about it, it's also an opportunity. Uh, uh, if you look at both millennials and working women, if you wanna bring them back to the workforce, what do you offer them? And one thing that has given me uh, really high hope is a report I was reading a few days back by I think it's a Mercer report and studies in 2021. And what they said was that the top priority for 48% of global HR leaders in 2021 is to reinvent flexibility in all its guises. They're basically, because no, no other way this thing can happen, but leadership in companies especially progressive companies and progressive HR leaders to make it happen. This is not going to be done from bottom up. This has to be done tops down. And if 48% of global HR leaders believe it, they should look at it, it gives me hope. I don't know how long it takes. This is going to be quick, but they need plans. They need to feel the pain points. They need to look at job sharing and other flexible work models, remote working or hybrid working. Uh, they should look at it as a talent acquisition and retention strategy. That's the only way employers, it's money. The only way that employers change anything is, will I make more money or will I be saving more money? Then they start making it uh, you know, a, real, a reality. 
So that has given me hope. And I, I'm hoping that in the next few years, we will see more of the promotion of job sharing, more companies offering it uh, as a benefit versus people being even afraid to entertain the idea with their managers to say, listen, I need to reduce my hours. I have a sick parent I have to take care of. Um, I'm sick myself. I need an extra time. I need to share a job. I still need some payments. And they're afraid to do that. And I think that eventually those pain points will reduce and people become more open to offering it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, we hear from, say, Bumble that they are giving people a week. So from a, you know, ensuring that the mental health is OK. And so right. and and more people openly sharing it, as you had said about the number of women who had to opt out because of the homeschooling and care work. And it was just too much. And now even here we are in 2021 and because the pandemic isn't over and the whole um, uncertainty from, you know, does one have to be in quarantine? How is the school working? Right. I mean, there's still so many uncertainties. I, I feel, you know, that hopefully it becomes a more normal thing to do. And um, when I look at you know, a year ago or two years ago, if we had talked about, say, remote work or hybrid work, that would have been a complete exception. And now it's, you know, super common. So I, I really yes. hope it sets, quote, quote, an example of flexible work as, you know, and then broaden it out, as you had said, with many different aspects to retain more employees. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you are so right. I, I remember distinctly, even remote work, 15 years ago, even maybe 10 years ago, people were not open to it. It was always a challenge to want to support an, an employee who was working from a different city. Uh, even the infrastructure wasn't ready yet for that kind of flexibility. But nowadays, with video conferencing, with the internet availability and Wi-Fi and in every corner, at least in, in some countries, uh, it's easier. The, the excuses are much less to say, oh, we cannot do this because, you know, they can. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a really, really good point. I mean, it's, it's so nice to talk with you because I, I love talking to people who are also very supporting of job sharing. Now, if we look into the future, and you've alluded a little bit already, so where do you imagine, say, in five or 10 years, you know, where do you expect the future of work to be? Well, I mean, the, the workforce of the future, I think flexibility, uh, when you work, where you work, how you work, will be at the center of it. I think things become more distributed, the infrastructure is ready for it. You don't have to drive to work. You don't, you know, you can just show up with your video if you need to. You can show up to work if you need to. But I think that will be the core of it. And what makes it happen is, I mean, currently, at least in US, 
there are four generations in the workforce, which, which is uh, the first time that it has happened. You have baby boomers, you have Gen Xers, you have millennials and Gen Zs right behind them. They are entering the workforce. And currently the, the millennials are 56 million in US and 28% of them are in leadership management, I should say management roles. They need to move into leadership roles to really have a big impact. And with that kind of set of parameters, if you fast forward maybe five years, there are more millennials now in C-level, uh, CEO level roles. Their mindset is very different. They will change things from within. Mm -hmm. And in one of the Gallup uh, polls that I, I looked at some time back, they were saying that this generation is not looking for paycheck. They're looking for purpose. Yeah. They're very different. They don't want... Uh, they don't want bosses, for example. They want coaches. Mm -hmm. They don't want to improve their weaknesses. They want to strengthen their strengths. They want variety. They want multiple gigs. These are changes that are already entering the workforce, uh, you know, with the millennial generation. And that's how things start happening from within. And it becomes a whole new workforce uh, for the future. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing now. So is there anything, Tamil, which we have not addressed yet that you would like to share with our listeners? I think maybe one thing that uh, people don't talk about it as much, uh, we cover it actually as part of our platform is the professional compatibility of job mates or job sharers. Because it's not enough to find two people who have the skills for the job to do the job. If they cannot get along, if they get into a disagreement and don't know how to resolve it, it just breaks the arrangement and it damages the job sharing as a work model. Most managers look for these kinds of excuses to say, hey, see, it doesn't work. You can't just put two people on the same job. But if you actually find, and we, we spend a lot of time uh, developing, uh, and we are actually filing for a patent around it. That's why I can't talk too much about it. But we look at people's uh, competency. Can they do the job even by themselves? Do they have the skills for the job? Are they organized enough? That kind of uh, skills. We look at similarities of people. Do they share the same values? Do they share the same goals, business goals, personal goals, etc.? And we also look at complementarity of two people. Uh, do you have something, as uh, it was said in Jerry Maguire movie, I don't know if you guys see movies, at the end it says, you complete me. I think that's the way we look at job mates or job sharers. They need to complete each other so they become one. So for example, if somebody is more an advice seeking person and the other is an advice giving, giving person, that combination is great. If both of them are advice seeking or both of them are advice giving, they can, they can lead into some sort of conflict so th that may be the only area that I think, generally speaking, job sharing should be aware of and 
And even if it is done manually, when you're talking to a pair of candidates and you want to introduce them to an employer, you need to look at that angle as well. Thank you so much for sharing. So Timo, how can people find you on social media? Oh, I'm only on LinkedIn. Okay, <laughs> easy. easy. <laughs> <laughs> and the company is on, on all social media. Job pairing, you can find it on all social media, but I'm only on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. So I will be sure to put all that information in the show notes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Temur, for being my guest today on the show. Thank you for your time. And by the way, the job that you're doing is actually creating awareness for job sharing. I think it will be very helpful in the long run. All of these activities, events, discussions is, is educating people, especially employers, and that will be very helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really hope, you know, one day in five or 10 years when we talk and then there is job sharing, like just like today, you know, somebody being a manager, it's somebody is like, oh, yeah, I'm a job sharer. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's not an exception. It's a norm. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.